You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. This is our 90th episode overall, recorded on Sunday, December 10th, 2023. Can you believe, Jeff, we're closing in on 100 already? I know, let alone, <laughs> the, end of 20, let alone the end of 2023. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, so welcome, everyone. I am your host, Kathy Amos. I am joined today by my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. And today we will be breaking down your number 16, number 15, Indiana Hoosiers 66-56 win from yesterday over the Rucker Scarlet Knight. That win brings the record to 8-1 and one overall, and they've now opened up Big Ten play and are 1-0 and oh in conference play. But as usual, we will start our show with this, the Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And Jeff, for me, I'm going to go to around 20 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, you know, Rutgers had been, you know, just hanging around. In fact, they were up the after the first quarter, and, you know, they weren't going to be shy about playing a, a ranked team coming into their house. But around 20 seconds left in that third, um, we had a field goal go up that was missed. Sydney went and grabbed the offensive rebound, just really hit the boards hard, tried to put a shot up. She missed it. Matt came in, got a second offensive rebound on that possession, and was able to put it back up to have the Indiana Hoosiers go up 49-39. Now, this was our first double-digit lead of the entire game late into the third quarter, and it wasn't very long because probably about nine seconds later, records went down on the other end and scored, but I thought really more important than the double-digit lead was just the example to me of how I thought Sydney and McKenzie both played really hard and really tough yesterday on both ends of the floor. Mm. And that play to me was really an example of how their play led the team in toughness yesterday. Both of them fighting for those offensive rebounds, which have been, you know, kind of um, not coming to us in great numbers this year so far. Um, but they really hit the, those boards hard together. Into, and then McKenzie being able to go up through contact and finish through that play, I thought was really indicative of both of their plays from yesterday. And so for me, that was our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And as always, our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, which also includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're, so you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that loves great collegiate gear. In fact, right now they're trying to make more room, I think, for their existing line by having all kinds of very deep discounted um, mystery boxes coming out. So for today, as an example, my husband and I just ordered two mystery box hoodies um, that were, I think, 45% off the normal cost of a hoodie. So keep an really? eye out. Uh, yeah. Sorry not to interrupt you. I haven't been on there today. <laughs> yeah. So I got an email and we ordered that while we were eating breakfast this morning. So um looking forward to getting that. I have no idea what team we'll get. Obviously, with a mystery box, it's up to to home field on what they think they have in, in excess. So that's what you'll be getting. But I've seen a few of those mystery boxes coming out this this week. So keep an eye out there on Twitter or you can sign up for their email as well. And not only do you get great quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com, and if it's your first time, use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off of your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME23 for 15% off, and the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. 
All right. So let's hit just a couple quick news headlines before we delve into the game, Jeff. Um, so before I turn it over to you, I had three quick um, news that we wanted to kind of touch on. So first, which also could have probably been our banner moment, yesterday's win for Coach Morin was her 100th Big Ten victory yesterday. Afterwards, in the press conference, Sydney Parrish announced she would return next year to use her COVID year of eligibility and not necessarily Indiana um, university per se related, but, you know, still tangentially, I think something this audience would like to know is that the Indiana fever also won the, 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 um, lottery today and we'll have first pick in the draft next year. So with that, Jeff, what are your Marlowe's musings for today? Well, first of all, I was talking about the impact of the draft lottery there, because if she comes out, if, 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 if she comes out, Caitlin Clark is the number one pick. And you put you pair her up with an, uh, with a Grace Berger and an Aaliyah Boston and a couple of the other players that the Fever already have. You could see them get very good very quickly. But let's face it, she, she probably is going. It's going to be a tough one because she's got more nil money more than likely at Iowa. I think one time, I think when we had Kyle on one time with us, uh, Kathy Kyle made the comment that she was like the highest paid athlete at Iowa and then and yeah. I mean, now she's doing state farm commercials. Yeah. So, you know, but good for the fever. I think, you know, for those of us who've kind of followed the fever since they were founded and, and it had that nice, you know, solid run with Tamika catchings and, and Katie Douglas and some of those others winning titles, going to the finals a couple times. That was, you know, that was fun to see that. And, and they've fallen off here the last few years, but you can see them kind of getting the, the foundation back in place. And yeah. then just shout out, hey, huge shout out to Terry Moore to win 100 Big Ten games for any coach, but for a, for a women's coach at Indiana uh, to win 100 Big Ten games, I think a lot of us would have been like, yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see that in, in our lifetime. But it just, again, speaks to the program that Coach Moore has built. It speaks to the to the fact that she sees Indiana as that, you know, is what was her destination job. It, you know, she didn't see it as a place to come to for a few years, get some success and move on. And I think the thing, the Sydney news, to me, is really huge for next year because there's going to be some turnover in the roster next year. Uh, you know, we know Max using up here last year now. Um, and so there will be some youth on this team and some inexperience. And Sydney being back is going to be a huge part of helping bridge that a little bit. Some talent there, and there's some talent coming. But it's just the fact that, you know, Sydney helps gives, gives that a little bit of a bridge as well. Um, as far as the game yesterday, hey, you know, slugfest on the road in the Big Ten. Was it as pretty, as nice? And was it the dominant performance we would have liked to have seen? No, but at the end of the day, they went on the road in the Big Ten and got a win. And we've talked about this before, Kathy, and it kind of goes back to that old philosophy. And it really kind of started on the men's side. Coach Knight might have been even one of the first to say it. You know, win your home games and then steal as many as you can on the road. The more you wins you get on the road, the, the better chance you have of being there at the end, you know, possibly winning at the Big Ten title. So um, that, that gives them a leg up, you know, from that standpoint early on and now they don't play another big 10 game until after well new year's eve they play illinois on new year's eve so hey a lot of things here between the news and the way the kid you know I, I thought your banner moment was spot on and, and i got another one i'll talk about a little bit when we get to the pivotal plays but but i thought that banner moment really outside of coach Moore and possibly i thought yeah. the uh i thought that play that was huge in terms of kind of getting the momentum really going toward the fourth quarter yeah, I, me too. Um, it was a great way to end that third quarter. So why don't we go ahead and jump into it then, Jeff? Let's talk about some pivotal or some important plays that we we saw. So do you want to go ahead and, and go first? And what do you got written down from yesterday? Well, I'm going to go to the one that I kind of thought about as well for the banner moment 
if I was going to pick out a specific play, a specific play. And that's at the end of the first half. Chloe Mormon, you know, in a half where we didn't play all that well, didn't shoot it. We're down one at the end of the first quarter, but it, you know, had kind of clawed and scratched our way into a small lead. But Chloe Moore McNeil hits a hits a shot right at the end of the half, basically, and stretches that lead out. It wasn't, I think it went from three to five. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the first, you know, I've gone brain dead here. Yeah, it went from three to five. Uh, to me, that's just a, that's a huge play because there's a, you hit that shot you're going in with a little bit you know not swag but you know your 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 shoulders are up a little bit more your head's yeah. up a little more and so i really thought that was a pivotal play in the game yeah i remember that play and i absolutely agree um for me i'm going to actually go to the other end of that same quarter so you know at the first quarter we were down by one it was 9 to 10 it wasn't real pretty basketball um and you know uh Rutgers hit that that shot right at the end of the first quarter to go up into that um that timeout um up by one and coming out of the 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 timeout into the second quarter i thought there was just some really nice adjustments again by coach morin and the staff so we had the after timeout um immediately you saw sydney driving for two to put us up mm. 11, 11 to 10 got a stop on the other end came back down on the second play Chloe Moore McNeil drives for two. And then the third one, we had Lexi come in. She drove down. She didn't shoot, but she found Mac. Mac went for two. And we had a nice stretch there at the beginning of the second quarter where, you know, the shots really weren't falling really all day, to be honest, but it definitely in the first quarter. And so I liked the adjustment to try to move away from maybe trying to have so many um, jump shots to rather driving the ball. And I thought those three back-to-back plays were quite pivotal because you could see kind of a shift in what we were trying to do in trying to drive the ball more and maybe initiate contact or get some easier baskets at, at the hoops. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that kind of beginning to the, that second quarter where we kind of opened up a bit of a lead there um, after being down. I I thought that was huge. And I think if I remember right in that sequence, um, if I remember right in that sequence, um, we even got a three even in there somewhere. I can't remember if it was Sarah or if it was Sydney who hit a three in that sequence. I didn't write it down, but, I thought that was a huge sequence because again, you were on the road and you were, and you were trailing. So, you know, you know, the, the momentum's against you a little bit. So with that, I, I'm going to go back also, Kathy, at the same point, I'm going to go jump ahead. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah. In the fourth quarter. Um, and she didn't have a great day shooting the ball uh, and that's Yarden, but we got a situation where, and if I'm trying to remember, I might've been Sydney who made it, who made the dish to her, but we got the ball to, uh, to Yarden right around the elbow and she knocked down a jump shot that I think pushed it back up to like nine or 10. I didn't, I didn't write down the score and sequence as I was rewatching the game this morning, but, but it, that to me was a huge shot because Yarden's such an important part of the team and, and she's been struggling shooting the ball. And we know that there's probably way more things going on for her than simply basketball. But it, it, when you were used to Yarden kind of just hitting shot after shot after shot last year, but to hit that shot there, when you kind of had the feeling that Rutgers might be about to make a run and she knocks down that shot at the elbow, it's kind of like, no, no, no. No, we're not, we're not going to let them back in here. So yeah. I, that was, that again, kind of, that takes it, you know, you talked about the one with Mac at the end of the third quarter, but there was that point there in the fourth quarter where I thought Yarden had a, had a nice stretch as well. And I think it started with that jump shot. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, you know, again, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to notable numbers, but the, the shots just weren't really falling yesterday, right? Our, our three-point shot for sure wasn't there, even struggling with some of the twos and maybe even around the rim. But I thought the the hustle of the team and the focus of the team was there all day. I, I you know, I, the, I, 
Um, I never felt like they were playing uh, overly sloppy, except maybe a little bit in the first quarter um, where we had a couple turnovers in the first <laughs> two possessions, um, two offensive possessions. We turned it over a bit after that. We, we kind of righted the ship, um, but we had great hustle. You know, again, at the end of that first quarter, with about a minute and a half or so to go, you know, Sarah, again, not, not her best game offensively in terms of, you know, production, but she, she hustled all the time. And, you know, she, she went down on defense and she got a really great defensive rebound again, just hustling mm-hmm. and doing the things that were, were coming to her, got that great defensive rebound and ended up getting fouled and went back on the other end, I think at that point and, and made her two free throws mm-hmm. for the day. So, you know, Sarah wasn't, it wasn't her best day overall finishing only with five points, one of eight from the field. Um, but she did have four rebounds and two assists. So, you know, while maybe offensively she wasn't putting up the numbers, I thought that play was indicative of the hustle. Sarah was still mm-hmm. able to give to the team and and help where she, she could, where the game was coming to her yeah and i think we'll again come back to this in the numbers a little bit kathy i think also kind of pivotal maybe maybe because of the lack of things they didn't do yesterday was the bench didn't give us much yesterday yeah. we, you know we you know we got some we got some minutes but outside of lily having a couple rebounds and and lexi having a couple assists and steals we really didn't get much production off the bench yesterday no, we sure didn't. And, you know, we're, we're been talking about the bench for quite some time, not just even this year, but even, you know, mm-hmm. since we've been doing the show, this is now our third season. We've been talking about that bench and the lack of lack thereof. Um, the one bright spot I think we do have is, is Lexi. And she was another, you know, moment I wrote down was around five and a half minutes, about halfway into the second quarter, just really aggressive on a steal, you know, got the ball. She just basically ripped the ball out of the, the girl's hands and, and she ended up getting fouled as well. And um, we weren't in the bonus, so she didn't have any free throws. But again, it was just indicative mm. of the hustle that I thought we saw from the team. Well, even though maybe things weren't going as smooth, you know, like you said, a dog fight or a rock fight mm. on the road in the Big Ten and to come away with a double digit win is very important, I think, for this team. But that play from Lexi was at least indicative to me of the hustle that she was showing. But yeah, um, again, like you said, I think we'll get more to it in the numbers, but um, she was the only one off the bench that played double digit minutes. And so when she did, she, you know, defensively, I have no problem with Lexi. I think she does a great job on defense. I think we just need to see how we can get her more offensive production. Yeah. And, and I, and, and Lily's the same way though. Lily played almost 10 minutes, just in you know, nine, a little over nine minutes. We got to find a way to get Lily getting back to four or five points a game. Like she did last year. She just really seems like right now she's lost her rhythm on the offensive end. So I agree about that. So, yeah. but you know, those were though to me in a game where you were struggling to score, there were not a ton of pivotal plays uh, to me. Yeah, absolutely. So Jeff, those were all the plays I had kind of written down in addition to the ones that you did. Um, do you have any other plays that um, you want to talk about or you want to move into the numbers? Let's move into the numbers. All right. Well, let's talk some notable numbers. So again, since I'm hosting, I'll let you go first, Jeff. What uh, jumps off of the sheet for you today? Uh, let's go to the first thing I noticed, Kathy, and that was point or points off turnovers yesterday. Uh, we forced only we forced 14 turnovers from Rutgers, and we converted that into 16 points. So you were getting a, 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 a little over a point for every turnover. That's 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 a good number. Anytime you can be plus, you know, you know, one or better on your points off turnovers, that that's something a coach is going to be very happy with. And then we we had 11, uh, which you know, again, Coach Morin can live with 11, I think, but. Mm-hmm. 
Iowa only had, excuse me, Iowa. Rutgers only had six points. I, we, I keep seeing some things about Iowa and Caitlin Clark in the in the chat, but <laughs> Rutgers only got seven points. So we won the points off turnover battle by nine in a game that you win by ten. And again, every little bit helps. And and so, but the defense, you know, when they needed to, the defense got locked in and and really provided some, some some provided that impetus to get them over the top. That's the first number I had. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other number we've been talking about all season that, you know, was one I was going to watch in particular when we did our, our preview for records is the rebounding. So today we won the rebounding contest 20, excuse me, wrong number 33 to 30 um, in our favor um, and only allowed um, nine offensive rebounds. So I thought today or yesterday, rather, I thought they played more aggressively on the boards. Um, I still think there's some room for improvement. Obviously there's almost always room for improvement, but I think this is a better um, defense, or excuse me, a rebounding performance than we have seen of late. But what were your thoughts um, from your perspective on the rebounding? Well, it, it, Rutgers is not a great rebounding team. They don't have a ton of size. They're not overly active, but we did a nice job. Um, you know, the Cassandra Brown and, and, and Destiny Adams had eight rebounds each for them. But the big number here to keep to me, Kathy, on that is after some of our struggles against some of the teams we've played, uh, especially so in the non or they've all been non-conference up to this point, but in, in some of the mid-major kit teams, we were giving up a ton of stats and like 15 offensive rebounds. You know, Rutgers had nine yesterday, which is still for my blood too much, but compared to 15, Better. I'll take that any day of the week. So, but we also had nine. But, you know, that's yeah. the other thing. We had nine offensive rebounds. So we were being active on the glass. And there are times I'm not sure. And, again, part of us, like you've mentioned this before, philosophy that Coach Moore's attitude is, you know what, I'll give up something on the offensive glass. And that's a valid philosophy. A lot of coaches have it. I'll give up something on offensive glass, but I'm not going to get beat back in transition because I'm oversending too many people to the glass. So from that standpoint, to the offensive glass, that is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the big key, you know, you know, we, you know, that to me was huge. Um, I want to go to this number. We already mentioned it to a certain degree as turnovers, but um, so, but I'm going to go to the shooting overall, Kathy, um, for as bad as we started, we still shot 48% for the game, you know? So realistically the second, third, fourth quarters got better. I mean, we were yeah. starting to make some shots. I think part of that goes back to you, your comment earlier, which I thought was an excellent observation that that we started being a little more aggressive we started getting into the lane we started driving we didn't just settle for the three um with that so you know we shoot 48 percent after that first quarter I, I you can live with that number yeah absolutely yeah they finished that first half at 42 percent and 48 for the second um I, I think it might be as a big chunk of it though is mckenzie holmes and her efficiency so mm -hmm. you know she ended up with 25 points on 12 of 15 shootings so you know 12 of our made basket of our 26 made field goals came from mckenzie home i think the number that um isn't good is obviously is the three-point shooting we ended up only three of 16 from three point which was 19 percent um it just really wasn't there for us you know yeah. um, from beyond the arc yesterday for sure you know sarah scalia for example was one of six clear Moore McNeil, one of two, Sydney Parrish, one of four, Lene Beaumont missed the one that she took and Garzon missed all three that, that she attempted. So it just really wasn't um, from deep, a good possession or a good performance from her yesterday. And this is something we've kind of seen before right at Stanford when we had our other true road game where our shot just kind of disappeared on us. Um, so, you know, that will be something I think we'll have to kind of keep an eye on throughout the year is to see if this becomes, you know, a theme more consistently, we're not able to shoot that three ball. Um, 
I'm not overly concerned with some of the, the teams that we're going to be playing as long as they can continue to make some of the adjustments that I was talking about in that second quarter where, you know, they just got to find a different way to get their shots. Um, so um, any other thoughts on the shooting or um, from an offensive end yesterday? Well, I think to a certain degree, Kathy, you watch this team and I'll be, let's go specific here. Let's just Sarah, especially, but I think it also is the team as a whole. Um, you get the feeling you watch her more and more. And I, and I think Sarah's played well and she's had, she'll have no other good games for us, but she, I've had players like that. I've seen players like that where, you know, if she hits that first shot or two, man, she's going, she's off and she's going to nail shot after shot after shot. But if she doesn't hit that first shot or two, she really kind of, it seems like that she struggles and, and it's, I'm not saying loss of confidence, but it's almost like she's pressing because she's like, Oh, I got to make one. I got to make one. Yeah. And then you kind of start overthinking your muscles get just a little tighter. You're not flowing with it. And I think that also ha- affects the team as a whole, not just because Sarah misses, but I think you, the, the kid, the players are seeing it. Oh man. And they're not dumb. They may not know the exact stat, but they'll know, man, we've only hit like one, three and we've shot a, we shot several and I got to hit one. I, you know? And so I think there's a pressure that mounts there on players to feel like I, they got to do it in order mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to, to prove or to show that they can, and we know they can, but it gets to be a little bit psychological and it can be really interesting. And, and I don't have an answer for it as a former coach. Cause if I did, I would have solved it, but it's just, it's, in, it's, it's just one of those things that can kind of get into a team psyche uh, uh, on whether it's on the road or even at home, but you hit your first couple, somebody, or, you know, they hit the first two out of five, three out of five, then, you, you know, it's like, hey, let's go. Everybody's hot. So, yeah, the, the three-point shooting is a little bit of a concern. But like you said, thought they made some nice adjustments. And I thought yesterday, um, let's I'm going to go real quick here, 19 assists on 26 made bus- buckets. Again, pretty standard for this group. But mm-hmm. I thought they did a better job. wasn't perfect, but I thought they did a better job yesterday of hitting McKenzie when they needed the ball to get to her. It wasn't a second yeah. late. It wasn't a half a second late or even a second early. It, they got it to her right when it should have got to her. So I, I thought there was some some improvement there. Now, hopefully it's not just, hey, it was just that game. I hope okay. it's something that's going to show up as we go through the rest of the season. But I thought yesterday for the first time, really, and we've talked about this several times, that they just yeah. always seem to be getting it to her late. And I thought yesterday they were better about getting it to her on time. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I I thought the exact same thing, and you know, and it was indicative of of her, again her efficiency and you know getting the ball in a good spot and getting it in a timely way. And I thought she was more decisive too on what she was going to do with the ball when she got it down there too. And I think that led to her highest scoring game of the year. Right, she ended up with twenty five points on again that twelve of fifteen shooting um, and eight rebounds. So just a really great game for McKenzie all around. Um, before we jump into like our, our game ball and Grace Burger, hardest worker, Jeff, I did want to talk a little bit more here in the number section about the bench. So uh, we only had three people come in off of the bench to play. Um, the most minutes again was Lexi Bargasser at 12 minutes. Only person who came in off the bench with double digits, Lene Beaumont came in for four and Lily came in for nine minutes. Um, but you know, that led to three of our starters, Chloe Moore McNeil, Sarah and Sydney Parrish all playing 37 minutes. 
And, you know, that's not something we were hoping to see in this game. I was really hoping when we got into Big Ten play, you know, through some of these games at least, and I understand when we get to maybe the even higher competition like Iowa and the Ohio States and, and others that we're not going to be able to play or bench or be, you know, very deep into it. I was hoping to see more of them yesterday, and it just wasn't there, even from the three that came in. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on overall though, on the, on the bench, maybe yesterday or even bigger picture? Uh, it kind of seems we're going back into the pattern where coach Moore, and as we get deeper into the season, I hate to say loses trust in them, but she's, she's, I think her mindset is she, if her veterans mess up, if her veterans lose a the game, then it's easier for them to take the the heat. You know, it, you know, Sydney's been around, McKenzie's been around. If they, if they don't play well, it's easier for them. I don't th- I think sometimes maybe she won't ever, I don't know if she'll ever say this outwardly. But I think to a certain degree, she thinks it's a way to kind of protect them, that nobody's going to blame them. And a fan base that's become pretty uh, pretty in tune with what's going on and, and expects good performances and winning, you don't really want your freshmen to feel like they, you know, in the fan base that they've let the team down, let the, let the fan base down, and therefore, you know, the, you know, you kind of get some fans questioning whether or not what they're doing. I hope that's not it, but I just wonder if there's a little bit of that, but I think again, the other part about this is the pace wasn't as up and down yesterday as we've seen in some games. I mean, it wasn't that kind of break, Mm -hmm. break, breakneck pace, but yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, we want those three playing 37 plus minutes. Mac only played 30, you know, so, so at least we were managing her a little bit. Um, but I, I'm with you. I just think we need to find a way to get a few more minutes here for Lene. Uh, I, I really think Lene, especially maybe Jules need to get some minutes, yeah. but they have, but again, here's the, here's the catch 22. They've got to do something when they're out there. And yeah. again, it's hard to, for example, let's take Lene, for example, four minutes. She missed her only shot, but it's hard to put up something in four minutes. It really, unless right. you're really just trying to go get for yourself, you know? And so it's hard to, you know, necessarily, you know, put up a lot of crooked numbers. So, so they're calling that, you know, that kind of classic catch 22, you know, um, I was thinking about this right. earlier today, you know, the, the age old, well, you know, I always heard this when I was a JV coach. Well, we like what you're doing, but you've never been a varsity coach. So we need somebody with experience. Well, how am I supposed to get experience <laughs> if nobody will give me give a me the chance? chance. And, and that's yeah. and, and I think there's a lot of that in life. I mean, we've all ran into some of that, not just in basketball, not just in education. I think we run into that. You know, it's kind of like the age. You know, when you're yeah. a young person. Well, how am I supposed to get credit if nobody will give me any credit? You know, you know. So, right. you know I'm talking about financial credit. You know, you know, you know. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think the I think the bench sometimes gets caught in that ca- classic catch twenty two of right. well, when I put you in there, you're not producing, but I don't put you in there really long enough to to give you a chance to, to give produce. you a chance to produce. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I just overall, I'm just <laughs> I'm hopeful. I, you know, I'm not I'm not mad about how deep we went with only three people off the bench. I think number wise, you know, eight nine people in your rotation is mm-hmm. a good number. It's just the lack of the minutes that, um, like you said, for Lene. And then the lack of production offensively from from Lexi and Lily, um, and you know it's not. We're, I don't want to get into it today. And, and at the end of the day, though, we do have to start at some point thinking about what's going to happen next season too. Um, so you know, at some point we have to be able to start trusting them coming in off the bench, especially our two sophomores that they're experienced enough and can start to handle a little bit more of the load. Okay. So. And I, let's say this, because I, we had some questions, I think, in the Discord the other day. I think it was. Maybe it was in the chat, in the Workaholics. 
but we haven't seen Sharnice very much. And we, no. our understanding is we think she's dealing with some type of leg injury. Yeah. We've never been told officially, but the last time we saw her in the game, in a game, she had a pretty good size brace on. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, so, so we don't know exactly what she's dealing with, but we think there's maybe, or, or a wrap some kind that she's dealing with. So that's another thing we, you know, we, we, Charnese, we thought coming into the season was going to play some, some decent minutes and we really haven't seen that yet. So, um, but yeah, I can't, I think it's, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. We do have coach Moore is not going to say that, but at some point you do have to think about next year. And also right. you get to the big 10 tournament, the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure you can win deep into the tournament with your starters playing 37 minutes every game. I think you no. got to find a way to get them some rest here and there. Right. And yeah. I know everybody's tired at the end of the year, but those back-to-back or those two day, two games in three days, they can take a toll. Yeah. It even shoot. I mean, it's only December 9th and we're already playing, you know, three of our starters, 37 minutes. If we have this consistently throughout the big 10 play, I'm even concerned about, you know, how their legs are going to be by right. the end of the, you know, getting into the big, yeah, 10 tournament, let alone going, going far farther. So um, any other numbers you want to talk about Jeff, either individual or team level? No, I'm good. All right, well, let's move on to game ball then. So Jeff is, for those watching in the YouTube feed here, either live or later, at the bottom of the screen, you can see our scroll with our count. So Mackenzie Holmes has won our game ball three times, Yarden, Sarah Scalia, both two, and Sydney Parrish has won one. So Jeff, um, why don't you go first? Who do you have for your game ball? I think this is a no-brainer. You got, we got it. I'm not trying to insult any of our listeners, just but Mackenzie Holmes, 25 points, eight rebounds. As you mentioned, Kathy, 12 of 15 from the field. Uh, she was one of one at the free throw line. By the way, that's not a number we mentioned yesterday. We were not very good at the free throw line. Um, one assist and a right. steal and one block. So I, I'm going Mackenzie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, same for me. That is a no brainer. You know, again, it was her highest point output of the of the year so far, 25 points and just very, very efficient. Again, as we've mentioned a couple of times, um, had the eight rebounds and a block. So, you know, slowly moving her way up. She's now under 300 points <laughs> behind Tyra Buss. So um, she's averaging 19 points per game at this point now, you know, and, and just under a double double with uh, around seven rebounds per game as well. So, you know, she's just having a, a nice year again already. And, you know, watching that um, lottery show for the WNBA, you know, they mentioned her a couple names in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, people they expect to go high in the draft. So I think she keeps mm -hmm. playing like this. I think it's going to do a lot for the team as well as for her future. So easy. Yeah. Game ball for me. And Kathy, real quick, I want your thoughts because. I just felt like it was McKenzie's best overall game. I know she may have had some some other games where she played well, but it just felt like yesterday was finally just, like I said, I think part of it was because we got her the ball on time, but I just yep. felt like she had her best game of the year, not just scoring, but just overall. I do too. Yeah, I, did, I don't even think – did she and then yeah only one turnover too and you know we've seen that before every once in a while we, we say she gets some happy feet but I thought her footwork was on point I thought her her defense for the most part was pretty good although you know they did have one of their their players kind of eating us up a little bit in the second half down low but overall zero problems with any other any play from McKenzie on either end of the court 
All right. Um, well, let's move on then to the Grace Berger, Hardest Worker. So again, on the, the bottom of the screen, you can see the scroll. And we've had a number of people get to the Grace Berger, Hardest Worker uh, this year. We've had two for Lexi Bargesser, two for Mackenzie Holmes, and two for Sydney Parrish. And then Lynnae Beaumont and uh, Lily Meister each have one. So Jeff, again, why don't you go first? Who did you write down for your Hardest Worker from yesterday? I'm going to go with Sydney Parrish here because you mentioned earlier, you know, just, you know, like in that, oh, no, what you had is a, uh, the notable or the banner moment where she had put up, got a rebound, missed the shot, McKenzie went and got it. But, but Sydney Parrish yesterday, you look at her, her game, she had a double double 14. I mean, if Mac doesn't have her game, we're talking about this young woman being player of the game, being game right. ball. But Sydney Parrish, 14 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. All right. And a block shot. And even more importantly for me, we didn't talk really about this as well. Two fouls. She only had two fouls. Exactly. You knew where <laughs> I was going. Yep. And so Sydney gets my uh, hardest worker. Yes, I, I I will make that unanimous. And we've got a, a vote in our, our um, workaholics here as well for, for Sydney, a couple for Sid as well. Yeah. You know, overall, I think she's just really come on the last few games and this is such a great duo we're, we're seeing, I think, between Mackenzie Holmes and Sydney Parrish. In fact, our last three games, we've had Mackenzie Holmes for game ball and Sydney Parrish has won our last three Grace Berger hardest worker. And so I think, you know, I had mentioned when I was down in Fort Myers then between timeouts and you had gotten, I think, her fourth foul in that second game against Princeton. She went and talked to the officials and asked what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's gotten better since then. Like maybe she took that feedback and she's been really working on it. And to your point, only two fouls yesterday. I thought she played just a really good game. And to your point with McKenzie having probably her best game all year, I think this was probably one of Sydney's best games this yes. year as well, if not her best game. I just think there was a nice um, performance from the, the two of them. You know, again, not discounting, we did have two other starters in double digits um, in terms of scoring with Yarden and Chloe with both 11. And we should mention too, by the way, Chloe Moore McNeil had seven assists. So, you know, just those four in particular, I think, played a really great game. So uh, honorable mention um, to, to to Chloe as well with her right. seven assists um, that we, you know, it, it's one of that those statistics that are quietly underappreciated. And I want to make sure we have, you know, a shout out for her getting seven of those 19. But to me, all around, I think, Sydney had the great hustle on both ends of the floor, similar to what we saw with McKenzie. And kind of a typical Chloe game from last year, seven assists, one turnover. Yeah. Yeah. So really taking care of the ball and sharing the ball well for us. So, you know, I think Chloe's doing a pretty nice job overall um, at that point guard, guard position. Um, Anything else, Jeff, we haven't touched on in this game? Any other specific player? I think we've talked about almost everyone that got in and played at this point. Um, so any final thoughts from you on this game overall with our first Big Ten win on the road by double digits against Rutgers? You, you went on the road and got the W. I, again, was it pretty? No. Was it was it our best effort in terms of execution? I, I, thought I thought effort for the most part was pretty decent yesterday. Kids were getting after it. They didn't make shots at times. And, and, yeah. and, and again, everybody's going to have breakdowns here and there, but I thought it was, I thought, you know, they really were getting, you know, I thought they played hard. I thought they were getting after it just didn't make shots. So, um, but you go out on the road in the big 10, you get a win and, and Rutgers is going to do this. I think to some teams at their place, uh, they're, they're not an easy team because they just kind of at times, and I think we saw this a little bit, Kathy, in the preview. They 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 kind of have, I don't want to say helter skelter, but they play at times where it's kind of an unorthodox. They just kind of they'll throw up a shot, they'll they'll throw a pass, and and then they're also going to take some chances defensively. And 
And yesterday, I thought we handled the ball pretty well, took care of it. But um, yeah, I just get the road, get the road W. That's all that mattered yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I, I echo everything you say. Um, it, you know, it's it's maybe not going to be as pretty and um, authoritative, if, if that's the word I'm looking for, mm. of wins as maybe we saw last year. But a win is a win. And again, it's double digits. So maybe we're, we're expecting them to go in and win by, I don't know, 15 or whatever we thought was going to happen. But it was a road environment. You're not at home. You're not going to be as comfortable shooting or in your routine or any of that that type of thing. And again, they're still finding their way without grace. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this win. Um, and just as a side point too, you know, we didn't talk much about the defense, but they did hold Rutgers at home to only 56 points. Rutgers was, is averaging around 77 points per game. So we, we kept Rutgers almost 20 points under their average for the year. So I, defensively, I thought it was actually a fairly good effort too. Right. Cool. All right. So in terms of what's next for both us and the team, as we kind of wrap up today's show, um, upcoming game is um, not until Monday, December 18th, when the Hoosiers will return to action hosting the University of Evansville um, Purple Aces. So exciting kind of in-state matchup on that. Um, We will not be previewing that game today. Instead, um, Jeff and I will be coming back to talk with you all on Wednesday evening. And in that time, we will preview Evansville at that point in time. So um, let's uh, let me pause for a second. We can listen to a little Bob Thompson and wrap everything up. All right. So um, as we kind of talk about what next, I already mentioned Jeff and I will be back on Wednesday to preview Evansville. We will be going live if you want to come and chat along with us in the Workaholics on um, YouTube. And that will be at 8 Eastern or 7 Central. Um, if you have any questions for us, if you're in our private Substack, we'd love for you to shoot us a message and tell us what questions you'd like for us to address in addition to previewing Evansville. You can also send us a message out on um, Twitter or X or as well if you still like that medium for choice as well. Um, Other programming notes, Assembly Call Radio will return on Thursday nights at their usual time to talk about the men's basketball program. I mentioned we're at YouTube. So if you want to come see us do the show live and be part of our live chat, make sure you subscribe to that channel at youtube.com slash at, that's the at symbol at Back Home Network. You can also be part of our private community as well. Find more at assemblycall.substack.com. Um, you can join there for free and, and see if you like it and like the content. Um, you know, Jeff and I are out talking about women's basketball with a lot of other people, but there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of men's basketball, the football program. Um, our, our friend Ari does a great job of keeping us updated on all of the other, other sports like soccer and things of that nature. So it's really a great place to be. So if you haven't already, go to assemblycall.substack.com and check that out. Um, Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. A big thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you heard throughout the broadcast. And most of all, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you soon on Wednesday. But until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. All right. Good. Good show. Yeah.
Yeah, that was a nice win for them. I felt better after talking through than I think I did immediately following the game. So sometimes you need some time to to think about it. So maybe it's good we didn't go live right away. No offense. It was still going to be a better show. Even if we'd been live yesterday, it was going to be a better show than the guys over on AC Radio and on AC had because that game was just, I didn't even see that game live. But it was like, oh my goodness, what the heck? I was watching it online in terms of following the stats and stuff. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? But yeah, it was, it was ugly. So, but yeah, so a good show and I appreciate everybody being here in the workaholics. You know, you guys are, yeah. you guys are awesome. Interesting conversation going on in the, the chat tonight around Caitlin Clark and people betting if she'll come or not, or, or stay in school when we're here. She does have her COVID year. Um, interesting one, one side note, I just, everyone's talking about their, her NIL. Those deals don't go away because she goes to pro. So I just want everyone to remember that, even though um, <laughs> she might uh, be making Quite a bit of money. I think someone I heard around two million dollars right now on her NIL deals. Um, it's not like State Farm's going to pull those and say, "Nope, you're no. not in school anymore. I'm taking that away." Right? That that no. all stays. And I know the WNBA maybe doesn't have the coverage, but I think a big part of the reason we have so much coverage with college women's basketball is because of her. And I think she'll bring a lot of the coverage to the WNBA. And I think you'll see um, viewership of that rocket as well. But you know, we saw Leah Boston and. And others transition from college into WNBA yeah. and making quite a bit of advertisement money. So, and I, and I was one who mentioned about the NIL money, but as well. But I, I just think they also you also have to figure in here again her NIL some of her NIL money is is I'm sure being banked away. But you're also you have to factor in a little bit of an injury risk. You know, you you yep. know that you know if something happens and she's, I shouldn't say that I, I, I'm going to stop for a second. Cause I would assume she is a very smart young lady that somewhere they've got an insurance policy on her Lloyd's of London type policy. Cause a lot of athletes do that now. Right. They are, right. you know, they have that kind of policy that will get them any, you know, future earnings that they might lose from an injury. But yeah, you know, she does have that issue, you know, and, and not her per se, but any athlete does, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, oh, well. sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, um, but she, you know, so do you want to, you know, if you have a good year this year, if you go back to the final four, win or lose, you know, yeah. does that play a factor into her decision of, you know what, I've done everything I can pretty much here, except win a national title. Right. You know, I, you know, what do I lose if something happens to me trying to come back here one more year compared to if I go to the professional level and more than likely she's going to go play in Europe or something too, because again, the WNBA, there are very few of those WNBA players who are just doing nothing else during the season, unless she does some TV, maybe she, you know, find right. find a way. Yeah. That's what I think Aaliyah Boston is doing right now during her off season. I don't think she's playing, right. I think she's, I don't think so been doing more TV stuff. Um, I think, yeah, to your point, I really think a big factor in an interesting one too, is she probably knows if she enters the draft, she's probably going to get picked by the fever at this point. Does she feel like that's going to be a good fit for her too? You know, in terms of geography and team culture and what they're going to be doing. And um, so that at least gives her another, you know, piece of information to think from, but I think you're right. My opinion, I think a big driver is going to be how Iowa does this year. How far they go in the postseason, and does she want to risk injury and come back another year to see if they can improve upon that next year? And I guess from a selfish standpoint, and it's easy for me to say it that way, but if she doesn't catch Kelsey Plum this year, how important is that to her to come back and be that? Um, But to me, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that would be like, oh my god, I got to come back because I. 
because I to want me, that that's down the list. Yeah. 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 But, but it is a factor. I just think there's a lot going on for her to, to think about and to decide from. I don't think it's just as easy as saying, oh, she's going to come back because of NIL or, oh, it's because she wants to, you know, she just likes college or maybe she's bored with playing at the college level and she wants to move up a, a right. level and, and see how she does against, you know, day in and day out that professional um, level and to be able to concentrate fully on basketball. Right. I mean, she can't do that right now. Like, right. can you imagine if she could be able to, you know, focus completely on her basketball and her training mm-hmm. and not have to worry yeah. about schoolwork, what kind of a player she could turn into. Maybe she wants to play with Aaliyah Boston. You know, there's so yeah. many factors that go into it that I think it's short-sighted to just say, Oh, she makes a lot of NIL. So she'll come back for it. So. No, um, I, I would agree with that. I, I do think there's, Something to it, though, just because you're right. Some her, most, if not all, of her NIL money is going to go with her. But yeah. I'm not quite sure the WNBA has the profile they wish they had right now. You know, right. now maybe Caitlin Clark does get them there, but you know, we saw Kelsey and, and and Kelsey Plum didn't get nearly the attention that Caitlin Clark is. But I can remember watching Caitlin Clark or Caitlin Clark, Kelsey Plum, <laughs> and watching Sabrina Ionescu at the college level. Now again, they didn't have some of the NIL opportunities that she has. I think that's the mm-hmm. other thing with that. But, you know, uh, so we'll see. And, and it does, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a college basketball fan, you, again, we have, ish, you know, we, you know, she's, she's on that team that we, that is our bitter enemy right now, our, our rival, but she and some of these young women who are doing things, Aliyah Boston, the, as I mentioned, INSQ, you look at a, somebody, I still think Paige Beckers is one that's going to mm-hmm. do some things. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of talent out there right now. And, and Caitlin really gets, are. Caitlin gets a lot of the attention, but there's a lot of talent out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Jeff, I think with that, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go make myself and my husband some dinner here and um, watch a little Cowboys game. He's a Cowboys yeah. fan. So we'll have that um, turned on here in a little while. So, and have a good gotcha. Sunday night. See you everybody. So, yep. Yeah, see you Wednesday. Bye-bye.